Eat, sleep, movie, repeat, repeat. A podcast on all things movies with Brent Harbour and industry insider Ross Churchhouse. Eat, sleep, movie, repeat. Here we go. 2024 is underway. G'day, Ross. G'day, Brent. Welcome back. Yeah. How was your summer break? All right? Oh, I was pretty cool, actually. Can't complain. Didn't get too burnt. Occasionally it rained and we got busy. So, you know, we'll take the wins when we can get them. Yeah. I stepped away from everything a couple of times. Uh, one was for work, but then I extended it out just to have a bit of a ticky tour of Queenstown as well, which was pretty good. But, you know, I, I really just didn't do a lot, which was good. Yeah, and did you see any movies? Yeah. Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. Um, no, I didn't see any movies. And you know what? This is this is a terrible thing. So when I was in Queenstown, I said to my wife, Kezia, okay, I want to go see The Beekeeper. I really want to see this movie. So I purchased tickets for it. And then torrential rain hit, and it was at 9 o'clock at night, and we were out at 6 o'clock, and it was pouring with rain, and we went, let's just go back to the hotel and come back into town later. That never happened. <laughs> so so I, I gifted the, the, and you know what? The great thing is the cinema called me and said, is everything okay? Um, if you can't come tonight, can we change it to another day? Which I thought was really great. And I said, no, look, sorry, I'm flying out. But, um, you know, hey, it's a gift to you. I love cinema. I hope everyone enjoyed the movie. <laughs> I'll be honest with you, mate. I, I wanted to see The Beekeeper too. And I've just spent the last three weeks working at the movie theatre and I have not managed to see the beekeeper which is a bit of a shame but i am going to rectify that i'm going to see if i can take the wife out on a date and pay some other movie theater to go and have a look at you <laughs> we'll see how we go yeah um but uh, i did manage to see a couple of films my oldest son was with us he and i went through a couple of films together actually i went and saw the dream scenario film with nicholas cage which was really good is it good? I just looked at the trailer and went, I'm so confused. Oh, look, Nicolas Cage is so good in everything. It doesn't matter how bad or how low budget. He just acts the living out of it. You know, he works out. But this is actually quite an interesting story. So it's basically the story of a college professor. He's a family man. He's he's a guy whose life hasn't really fired. He's tried to write a book and it never really came off. And he starts appearing in the dreams of random strangers other people and not just around where he lives but worldwide and he is discovered through the internet and basically what happens is that he becomes an overnight celebrity and you know in this strange world we live in these days where you know people become famous on tiktok and youtube and stuff he becomes famous but there's a darker side to it because the dreams then turn from him being a passive observer to him being a murderer arsonist you name it he'll he becomes super bad in these dreams now he's not doing anything wrong he's just a guy and but people start treating him like he has been accused of something you know he gets beaten up and all these terrible things happen to him and all because he's just appearing randomly in their dreams and it is i guess it's a real tale of what it is like these days for you know people with their 15 minutes of fame they appear unpopular and then something in their past or something happens and they just become pariahs so no it's really interesting film yeah look i also saw the holdovers which um i was kind of keen to see because it's paul giamatti and it directed by alexander payne he did the film sideways which paul giamatti was also in. and this one is set in the 70s again there must be something to do with the movies at the moment but he is also playing a school teacher in the 70s but his 
he's forced to stay on the college campus over the Christmas break and babysit a group of students. And it's all okay and going well until almost every student except one gets plucked away and they get away and, and he only has to look up for this one guy who's a bit of a troublemaker, who has a bit of a tough past. And it's about how they sort of form an unlikely bond and friendship alongside the school's cook. They're all dealing with some sort of pain from the past, which all gets sort of comes out in the conversation. So really good film. And look, it's up for a um, Oscar nomination, which we can talk about in a little bit. But no, I really enjoyed it. And some new films out too. Yeah, new films this week. So just starting this week, we had The Colour Purple, which is the musical of the stage show from the movie that was adapted from the book, if you can follow that. So for those of you who don't know, The the Colour Purple was a Pulitzer Prize winning novel from 1982. It tells the story of a woman named Celie, and she's an African-American teenager raised in rural Georgia. She's abused, and eventually she gets away from her abuser, comes into her own, becomes a successful businesswoman, etc. When the movie came out, you know, a very, very popular film, but then became uh, adapted for the stage as a musical. So this is basically the musical of that um, on film. So it's a bit of a serpent-eating-its-tail kind of situation with that one seems to be going okay it didn't really set the box office on fire yesterday when it opened but it's okay and people should probably you know again judge this if they're into that kind of musical the other film that came out yesterday was the iron claw this is a true story again based on a family called the von erics who were a dynasty of professional wrestlers um and their father was a professional wrestler and then these four or five young boys became professional wrestlers the story's adapted slightly because they actually miss out an entire child in the family for the you know probably for expediency of making the film but the family actually suffered a lot from these young guys and their pressure to perform um from the overbearing father basically takes a big toll on their mental health so it's not really a film about wrestling it's a film about you know the pressure to perform so it's a tough watch and zach efron's in that one isn't he he is yeah very very buffed out zach efron he's been eating those giant steaks and you know, he's um, really worked hard to build his body up to be this guy that he's playing. So that's pretty interesting. And what else has come out, Ross? So, look, the, the movie that's interesting right now, it's coming out, is a special edition remaster of the movie The Abyss, 1989. That movie came out. It was James Cameron's sci-fi underwater epic, and it was very much pre-Avatar, but it just shows you that uh, James Cameron with you know, uh, Titanic and with Avatar and Avatar 2 and this film, he loves these underwater epics. I remember that movie because the special effects were, you know, James Cameron is always known for special effects. Just look at Terminator 2. And I think on the back of Terminator 2 was putting these effects and they were quite incredible, the underwater scenes, weren't they? Yeah, absolutely. And look, he's on the, he's always been on the cutting edge. So the effects for their time were very, very much on the cutting edge. And you know, he was developing computer software that could do amazing looking underwater effects so while the effects in this day and age might look a little bit creaky and antiquated it's well worth having a look to see how they deal with the aliens the underwater scenes and everything else so it's it's quite a good film there's another film coming out which is called force of nature the dry 2 which is a follow-up to a film called the dry it's an australian film and it's basically a story about a federal agent by the name of aaron Falk. And he has to head into what's called the Galang Ranges in the Australian Capital Territory. 
to investigate the whereabouts of a corporate whistleblower. And she rings him out in the bush and she says, look, I'm, I'm stuck and I'm, I'm, I'm scared for my life. And then she mysteriously disappears. So it's this slow-burning kind of story about what happened on this corporate retreat. So she goes on a corporate retreat with a bunch of other women. They go out into the bush and then she's never seen again. The film is in advanced screenings. It's showing Wednesday 31st, and then the following weekend it has some previews. It actually doesn't start until around the 14th of Feb, start proper. So if you are interested, get along to one of the early screenings. I've seen the film. I actually thought it was pretty good. It's just, again, if you're into that slow burn, drama, mystery kind of thing, it's not a bad film. And uh, yeah, the last one we've actually got coming up, which is just a, a special we had this week, is a Kiwi movie called Ms. Information, which was in the festival last year. So it's, it's all about Susie Wiles, uh, the microbiologist uh, who was emerged sort of during the pandemic. Uh, you'll probably remember her as the red or fuchsia-haired woman on the TV. And she became the target of a very, very vitriolic hate campaign during COVID-19, during the lockdown. And so this is a movie by a director called Gwen Isaac, Kiwi director, and she's basically made this documentary about what was going on what Susie was trying to do and the hate campaign that then followed and how that affected her. It's actually quite a tough watch. And again, it splits audiences because if you sort of support her, then you're going to think it's really worth watching. If you don't support her, you're going to say it's not worth watching. But again, you know, these are just movies and we're here to play them. So, you know, hopefully people can come along. We're only showing it a couple of times this week. And it is doing the rounds around the country. We actually had Gwen Isaacs and Susie Wiles come to the cinema in Kirikiri last week and they did a small Q&A for a, you know, a group of uh, people from the Green Party. It's award seasons too and crikey, the Oscars have really fired up. They're obviously trying to get people to watch it, right? <laughs> oh, look, we're, we're into that season of craziness. I mean, we've already had, what was it? You've got the BAFTAs, you've got the Tonys, you've got the um, Emmys, you've got all the awards in this award season. And of course, Oscars is never without its controversy, it's never without its snubs and its surprises. Already there's lots and lots of stuff online about why Barbie isn't being selected for Best Actress, you know, why Margot Robbie hasn't been a Best Actress thing. Too much politics for me, we're not about the politics, we're about the, the entertainment. So uh, moving on, what I thought we'd do as we sort of progress towards the Oscars, which I think off the top of my head is at the end of March, is just maybe cover a couple of the key categories and then we just sort of look back and sort of think about what we thought so the first one is obviously the probably the biggest one of the year is always best picture what is the best movie and people when these as soon as these lists get put out people come running into the cinemas going hey when are you getting this movie often they find out that movie played six months ago and nobody watched it but that's one of those things so a couple of the highlights from this would be anatomy of a four which played last year and that was the story of a woman whose husband dies while she's on a retreat. They're both writers and very good art film, played in the festivals and it was very, very popular. Barbie has been nominated for Best Film, so that's a good one for them. The Holdovers, which we just talked about before, which is currently showing, is also nominated. And then there's uh, Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon, which we played, well, but it was December, wasn't it? And that was pretty solid and then Bradley Cooper, he's up for one for Maestro, which again, we played that film in November, December. It's currently on Netflix, if you've got Netflix. 
And it wouldn't be Barbenheimer without the Heimer, so Oppenheimer is also up for Best Picture. And it, it keeps going. Past Lives, which was another um, film that we played last year. Again, big festival hit. Very, very popular film for those who went and saw it. And that is also up for Best Film. And two more. Poor Things, which we're currently showing, is also up for an Oscar for the Best Film. And that's getting really good reviews. It's R18. It's pretty interesting stuff if you go and watch it but um that's up for an oscar and the last one is called the zone of interest which is opens on february 22nd and i don't know too much about zone of interest at the moment so you know that's uh that rounds out the all the films that have shown or are about to show in new zealand there is one other film which i don't believe we played in new zealand at all which was called american fiction so i don't know anything about that but If I had to put my hand up and, you know, try and guess which of these films is going to get best film, I'd have to say it's probably between Oppenheimer, Poor Things, and possibly The Holdovers. So I guess that's going to be the three top ones for me. But I guess we'll see, because these things always go a bit sideways. You never know what's going to work. I I thought Oppenheimer for sure. I think Killers of the Flower Moon will be in there as well. And I think Poor Things, just because of all the talk around Emma Stone and the cast. And I've seen the trailer for the movie and I, again, I just don't understand it. So it doesn't motivate me to go see it. So this is where trailers are very powerful, Ross. Absolutely. Look, the the film's R18. There is a lot of sex in the film. That's the reason God it's R18 uh, more than anything else. My son went and saw it separately to me. This is my my son who's 23. He went and saw the film and he came out and he said, man, I'm really glad I took the person's advice who gave me the ticket. I didn't go and see this with you. (laughs) He said, because it made me feel very uncomfortable. If you'd been there, I would have been feeling uncomfortable. So maybe mums and daughters and fathers and sons maybe don't want to go and see that film together as as an adult group family night out. It might not be everybody's cup of tea, but I I don't know. (laughs) Good advice. Nothing worse than that, right? Nothing worse. Oh, my goodness. I'd I'd probably be sitting there going, oh, this is so unawkward and uncomfortable with my son here. You know, anyway, I digress. Shall we kick off 2024 with our guests for the box office, eh? Absolutely. Look, I think that because the week has actually started, because we're recording this on a Friday, I thought about doing the Iron Claw, and I thought we'd start out with the information just to give ourselves a little bit of a, a better chance of getting a good number here. The film opened with just $14,000 on Thursday, which was not a lot of money at the news conference. Again, it's an American film. It's about wrestling, pro wrestling. So there is maybe a bit of a... I think if people are watching it and assuming it's just a film about pro wrestling and that's not their cup of tea, they're not going to go and watch it. But of course, that's not necessarily what the film is about. However, the film also did a preview the weekend before and it took another $30,000. So... Look, with all that in mind, I would probably suggest, and I'll include the preview in there because I'm generous, I think the film's probably going to finish at about $250,000 box office for the week. Uh, There's that Efron factor, the wrestling, because people will think it's a wrestling movie, so they'll go see it. Some terrible haircuts. I'm going to shoot a bit higher. I'm going to say 300000 Yeah, that's probably a good number. Um, uh, the terrible haircuts are very period, though. I mean... <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. I had one. The government... <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, everybody had the big hair and the bell bottoms back in the 70s and the 
early 80s and you know the disco and all that yeah so yeah we'll, we'll give them their haircuts but yeah look the film actually looks amazing it also stars lily james as um Efron's love interest and i think that you know i think it's well worth a, a second look for people to go and check it out because like i said put the wrestling part of the side which is really a smaller part of the film and i think it's a very very strong drama so yeah let's see how it goes hopefully people will pick up on it and if it if they do then it might have a very solid second week let's put a kiwi wrestling sort of spin on it because in the 70s remember on the mat oh do you remember the wrestling show for new zealand on the mat king curtis all those guys how good was that yeah it was it was a good night it was like friday night wasn't it i was I was quite young though, Brett, to be fair. I was probably, I was way younger than you, you know, so. Yeah. <laughs> I remember it well. Well, I think we'll end it there before I get myself in trouble. All right. Hey, that's good. Well, we've kicked off 2024 and we'll chat on the next episode. Excellent. I'll see everybody at the movies. Thanks for listening to Eat, Sleep, Movie. Repeat. Repeat. A movie podcast available at Buzzsprout, Apple, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts.